going to draw your attention to the book of Mark chapter 6. The book of Mark chapter 6. We're going to begin at verse 47. When you get there, say amen. Mark chapter 6, verse 47. While you're turning, I'm going to go ahead and begin reading, and you can catch up to me. And you don't need to turn there, actually, because I'm going to tell you what it says. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Listen, for they had not understood about the loaves. Say this with me. For they had not understood about the loaves. Look at somebody and say, for they had not understood about the loaves. Tonight my subject is about the loaves. We got to talk about the loaves for a moment tonight. Now, to understand this passage of Scripture, we've got to understand the context. And the context of Mark chapter 6, in this chapter, a number of very important things happen that help us understand this text. First, in verses 1 through 6, Jesus goes to his hometown, which is the town of Nazareth. And it says that he couldn't do very many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And it says that he marveled, he was amazed at their unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. He couldn't do any mighty works there because they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? And then in verses 7 through 13, Jesus sends out the 12 and he gives them authority to heal the sick, to cleanse lepers, to cast out demons, and to preach the kingdom. And he tells them, take nothing for your journey except your staff. He says, don't take an extra purse. Don't take uh, an extra robe, don't take an extra shirt, don't take extra money, just take your staff. He says, everything else is going to be provided for you on this journey, but you're going to have to take your own staff. Now, the staff is an implement for walking. It's the walking stick. God says, I'm going to provide everything else for you, but you're responsible for your own walk. That is, God will provide your money, but you've got to carry your staff. You've got to be responsible for your own walk. And so he sends his disciples out, and they go out two by two, and they come back in verse 30, and they begin to report to him what, what happened on the journey, and, and they tell him how they had healed the sick and raised the dead and cleansed the lepers. I mean, if Jesus had sent you out two by two, you would have come back excited too. Imagine all of the sudden you can work miracles, and you're preaching the kingdom, and people are believing, and you're raising the dead, and you're cleansing the lepers. It was an incredibly exciting time for the disciples. But the scripture tells us in verse 30 that Jesus had to take them away, and the reason he had to take them away is because people were coming and going. So many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. It's in verse 31. So many people were coming and going that they did not have a chance to eat. I know I talk bad about folks who say they're too busy to eat, but this is exactly where Jesus and his disciples were. They were too busy to eat, so busy with the ministry that they didn't have time to eat. And so Jesus says, this ain't right. We got to go on a little vacation. We got to get up out of here so that we can rest and so that we can eat. He says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they get on the boat, 
and they take the boat and they're headed towards a solitary location, but the people are watching them. See, if you've ever seen the Sea of Galilee, you know that it's a little tiny lake. It's, it's bigger than Lake Merritt, but it's not huge. A lot, you know, we crossed the, the, the Sea of Galilee by boat a couple of times when I was in Israel back in 1995. And it took maybe 45 minutes to cross from one side to the other on a boat. And it was, it was kind of old school kind of boat. It didn't have a power motor. It wasn't like a motor boat or anything like that. We were on a big boat and they were rowing, you know. And we were singing songs and we're on the Sea of Galilee. And we went from the shore of Galilee all the, all the way to the other side to Tiberias. And it was about a 45-minute boat ride. So it's not serious, you know. And so the people see him heading to the other side of the lake, and the multitude runs all the way around the lake and waits for him at the other side. So by the time he docks at the other side, there's a multitude of people interrupting his vacation. Now, Jesus wasn't tripping. It says when he saw the multitude, he had compassion on them. It says because they were like sheep without a shepherd in verse 34. He sees the multitudes. He has compassion. And the word compassion is a compound Latin term to suffer with is what it means. He saw the multitudes and began to suffer with them. The disciples didn't have any compassion for the multitudes. Why? Because they were suffering with themselves. Why? Because they were hungry. They still hadn't got a chance to eat. And they were upset that the Lord was not providing for their culinary needs. And so Jesus begins to teach the multitudes. Granted, the disciples were looking for their opportunity to send the crowd away. And the scripture says, late in the day, the disciples come to Jesus and they said, look, check it out, Lord, it's getting late. And these people are hungry. Send them away so they can go to a nearby village and find some food. The same story is told in John chapter 6. And the disciples said to Jesus in that passage of scripture that, They might faint on the way. If we don't send them away, these people are going to pass out. Lord, do you want people passing out on the way out of hunger because they left a Jesus revival? You don't want that on, you don't want that attached to your name. So send them away now so that they can get out of here and find some food before they start dying on us. And the Lord says, you give them something to eat. And immediately the disciples begin to explain that they, they can't give him anything to eat. Immediately, the disciples begin, the first thing their minds do is begin to think of what it would take to feed this multitude in their own power, with their own effort. They said, Lord, in verse 37, that would take more than half a year's wages. They said, Lord, if we worked for six months, all of us, and took all of the wages from that six months of labor then, then we could feed this multitude. But, Lord, it would take six months of our labor. It would take six months of our working. And Jesus looks at him and says, I didn't ask you to do it by your labor. I didn't ask you to do it by your power. He says, what do you have right now? They said, we've got five loaves and two fish. He says, all right, organize the people. Break them up into groups of 100 and sit them down. I think he told them to organize them so that they could be easily countable. He wanted it known that there were 5,000 men plus women and children there at that event. So he said, organize them into groups of 100 so that they would easily be able to count how many hundreds there were. And it came out to 5,000 men plus women and children. And then he took the bread. Now watch this. Jesus takes the bread and he lifts it up to heaven and he gives thanks. Got to stop for a second here. Not so that cell phone could be turned off, but because of this point. 
Jesus gave thanks for that which appeared not to be enough. When was the last time you gave thanks for something that looked like it wasn't enough? You say, I need $100 for this. I got 10 Thank you, God, for this $10. Lift it up. Thank you. Hallelujah. I got $10. We spend so much time crying about the $90 we need that we don't stop to give thanks for the $10 we have. Jesus stopped to give thanks for that which seemed not to be enough. See, we tend to only give thanks for abundance. But Jesus gave thanks in the face of apparent lack. And after he gives thanks, he breaks it and gives it to his disciples and says, all right, go give it to the people. And you know the rest of the story. They distribute it to all of the people, and afterwards they gather up 12 baskets full And I think there were 12 disciples, right? Which means there was a basket for every disciple, meaning at the end of the day, the disciples who were afraid that they were going to end up with nothing ended up with abundance. And even still, Jesus doesn't have a basket for himself. He doesn't seem to be tripping. He doesn't seem to have needs. He doesn't seem to be afraid that he's going to end up with nothing. He doesn't seem to be crying about what he does not have. And immediately after this event is over, they gather up 12 baskets, and Jesus says, all 12 of you, come up here. All the disciples come. He says, get on the boat, get on the boat, get on the boat. What are we doing? Get on the boat, get on the boat. Get. He loads them all on the boat. He says, whoosh, see you later. Pushes them out. Lord, aren't you coming with us? No, no, I'm going to send the multitudes away. I'm, I'm going to send the multitudes away. And he pushes them out and says, all right, guys, party's over. See you later. And then he leaves. And it says he goes up to a mountaintop to pray. He pushes his disciples out. And immediately, as they begin to head out into the lake, a storm. It's just wind. No rain, just wind. The wind was against them, it says. So it's late in the day when they leave. And the wind is blowing so hard that it says, late that night, Jesus saw them in the middle of the lake. Now, I told you we crossed the Sea of Galilee in 45 minutes. They went from late in the day to late at night, probably four to six hours of rowing, and they were only in the middle of the lake. What kind of traffic is that? A 45-minute drive takes you six hours, and you're only halfway there. What kind of traffic? You know how frustrating that is? You know how frustrating it is when a 30-minute drive takes you 40 minutes? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You get there 10 minutes late, you go, oh, Lord, traffic was terrible. But it only added 10 minutes to your journey. Can you imagine how frustrating it would have been to be on a boat that should have been on the other side in 45 minutes and four hours later, it's only halfway through the journey? And it says Jesus was on land and they were in the middle of the lake and he saw them straining at the oars, straining, striving, working as hard as they could and making no progress. And he sees them. And he doesn't do anything. He sees them, but he doesn't do anything. I see you struggling. And when it's time, I'm going to pull you out of the struggle. But not now. you got to struggle a little longer. Because it says not till just before dawn does Jesus go out walking to them. Meaning he let them strive against the oars for another four or five hours. 
and they still hadn't made any more progress. They were still in the middle of the lake, meaning half the, all, almost all night long, about, four, about eight or nine hours, they were in the middle of the lake rowing and rowing and rowing with all of their might and not going anywhere. And Jesus was on the land just watching. Mm-hmm. I see you. Lord, don't you see me? Yeah, I see you. Aren't you going to help me? Yeah, I'm going to help you, but not yet. Lord, what do I do? Just keep rowing. Keep on rowing. Keep on rowing. Why are you leaving me out in the midst of this struggle? Why are you leaving me out in the midst of this storm? Why are you letting this financial wind continue to blow against me so hard that no matter how hard I work, I'm still broke? Why are you letting this family problem push against me so hard that no matter how hard I try to fix it, I can't make my marriage any better? Why are you making this issue? Why are you allowing this wind to blow against me for so long, so hard? And why are you just watching? Why aren't you coming to me? Why are you just sitting there? He was sitting on the mountainside, fellowshipping with the Father. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is having a wonderful time. The disciples' muscles are cramping up. They're getting charley horses in their legs. They're straining with all of their might. You're talking about they had a basket full of food. Now they're starving to death out there. They feel like they're dying of thirst. They're tempted to drink the salt water. They, they got blisters on and all over their face. I mean, they're in bad shape, and they're slobbering all over. I mean, they, these guys are exhausted at the end of their vacation. And the Lord is just worshiping. Hallelujah. Kind of like the time he was on the boat with them and they were in the middle of a storm and he was sleeping on a cushion. Under the boat, just asleep on a cushion. God is in the comfortable place while they're in the uncomfortable place. And it says, just before dawn, Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And when he sees them straining at the oars, it says, he was about to pass them by. (laughs) That's what it says, he would have passed them by. But it says they saw him and thought they saw a ghost. Sometimes at the moment, you're, at the moment God is revealing himself, you think you're seeing death. At the very moment at, God, at which God is revealing your breakthrough, you think you're at the point of death. Sometimes God lets you come to the very doors of death before he shows up and reveals himself. And when they cry out, he says, Don't be afraid. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Trial's over. (laughs) And he climbs into the boat, and immediately the wind dies down, and it says they were amazed. Why? Because they did not understand about the loaves. The whole ordeal was because they did not understand about the loaves. Translation, he was trying to teach them a lesson in the loaves, but because they didn't learn it in the loaves, he says, what you did not learn from the loaves, you're going to have to learn from the wind. I'm going to keep trying to teach you this lesson for as long as it takes until you get the lesson. And what was the lesson of the loaves? The lesson of the loaves was that Jesus, listen to this, the lesson of the loaves was that Jesus was Lord over their food. I'm trying to teach you that I'm the Lord of your food. 
that I have authority over food, that I can multiply it when I want to multiply it and wither it when I want to wither it. I can shrivel up your supply so that all you got is five loaves and two fish, and I can take that five loaves and two fish and multiply it so that you can feed 5K. I am Lord over your food, and Jesus wants to teach us how to make him the Lord over our food. He wants to be master over our meals. He was teaching his disciples that you're going to eat when I say you're going to eat, and you're not going to eat when I say you're not going to eat, and you're going to be okay. Because from the beginning of the story, they went on vacation because Jesus saw that they were hungry. And he knew that a multitude would meet them on the other side and that they still wouldn't get to eat. He was messing up their meals. He was messing up their portion size. He was messing up their, their expectation of food. He was messing with their meal plan. And trying to teach them a lesson by interrupting their diet. But they did not understand about the loaves. What was it that they did not understand about the loaves? Many of you are here and you're in the midst of a storm because you did not understand about the loaves. God has multiplied provision for you again and again, but you did not understand about the loaves. That is, at the place where God multiplied your provision, you didn't understand the lesson that God was trying to teach you. And the lesson is not just that God can provide for you. The lesson is that God provides for you at the very place where you stop striving. The lesson of the loaves was that God has to take you to the end of yourself before he can take you to the beginning of himself. That you come into the place of revelation when you come to the end of your flesh. The lesson of the loaves was that Jesus allowed them to work and strive and labor even for the kingdom until they came to the end of their flesh. They came back to him after ministering, after serving him, and they were hungry. And he says, let's go on vacation and eat and set up more ministry for them on the other side to make sure they didn't eat yet. Why? Because he had to let them go a little bit further in their flesh before they came to the end of it. And when they finally came to the end of their flesh, Jesus said, bring me what you got. And he took the loaves and fish and he multiplied it. He was trying to teach them a lesson, but they did not understand about the loaves. So Jesus said, you didn't understand it with the loaves. Now you're going to learn it from the wind. And he waited until they came to the end of their flesh on that boat. Literally, they were striving against the oars, straining against the oars. And when they came to the place where their flesh was about to give out, where they were about to give up and say, I can't row, not one more time. Where they were ready to drop the oars, throw in the towel, and say, you know what, blow us back to that shore if you want. That's when he came walking to them on the water. The word of the Lord to you and I tonight is that you know that you're striving when you're in the flesh. And you know that you're in the flesh when you're striving. The flesh is the realm of human striving. The spirit is the realm of human resting. The flesh is the realm in which we work by our power and we provide for our own needs. But the spirit is the realm 
in which we live by God's power, and he provides for our own needs. The whole lesson of the loaves was the lesson of surrender. Surrendering to whatever situation I'm in. Surrendering to whatever circumstance I'm in. Not trying to work my way out of it because many of us in this room right now, you're in the midst of a trial in which you're straining against the oars and not making any progress. I mean, is there anybody in this room that feels like that is me right now? No matter what I do, I can't make progress. Some of you can't seem to make financial progress. Some of you can't seem to make relational progress. Some of you can't seem to make vocational progress. In some area of your life, you are striving against the oars and can't seem to make any progress. And I'm saying to you tonight that this is the moment that you've come to the end of your flesh and that Jesus is about to come walking out to you. The moment Jesus climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And the moment the wind died down, the boat began to coast through those waters, cut through those waters. They began to make instant progress. Why? Jesus is in the boat. Our eyes have been opened to see him coming to us in the midst of the storm. Jesus is in the boat. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is about to enter your boat. I'm here to tell you that when he enters the boat, the wind is going to die down. The problem is that so often when the wind dies down in our life, when the storm comes to an end, we just say, praise the Lord, I made it through another one. But we don't stop to ask the Lord for understanding. I want to understand about the loaves. Lord, thank you after the fact. Thank you so much that you provided, that you multiplied my bread and fish. But Lord, now add understanding. What was the lesson that you were teaching me and walking me through that struggle? You could have, made, you could have told me ahead of time to prepare enough bread and fish for 5,000 people. But you walked me into the middle of that thing, and I found myself there. And I, I, I knew, I had no idea that I was going to find myself in that predicament, but you knew it. God, listen, you need to know that wherever you are in life right now, God knew that you were going to be there before you got there. And he could have told you ahead of time. Some of you are thinking, God, why didn't you tell me? Let me tell you something. There's a reason why God didn't tell you. He didn't want to spare you from that thing because he wanted to teach you a lesson about the loaves. He wanted to teach you how to break your nothing, your lack, and give thanks for it. He wanted to teach you how to lift up that $10. Some of you need $1,000 and you got $10. God wants you to stop and give thanks for that $10. Whatever it is, you feel like you don't have enough. There's a lesson in the loaves. Every time God has provided for you, there's a lesson in it. Every struggle that you've walked through, There's a lesson in it. Stop and listen. Stop and listen. Because if you don't understand that lesson, he's going to push you right out into another storm. Not because he hates you, but because he loves you too much to let you miss this lesson. It's too important to him that you have understanding. It's too important to him. It says that their hearts were hardened. Because they did not understand about the loaves. Father, tonight I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would soften our hearts. That you'd give us understanding. Open our ears. Lord, some of us are in the midst of a struggle right now. We're in the midst of a trial right now. Some of us feel like the wind is blowing against us so hard that we can't make any progress. But God, even in the midst of that storm, give understanding right now. 
Some of us in this room right now have seen God provide miraculously, even recently. You've seen a miraculous provision from the Lord. God has opened up the windows of heaven and provided for you. Don't miss the lesson in the loaves. Stop and ask him. Go back and ask him, God, what was the lesson? And at the end of the day, what God is most interested in doing is taking us out of the realm of the flesh. Out of that place of dependence upon the sweat of our brow. The mark of Adam's expulsion from the garden was God said, in the sweat of your brow, you will till the earth until the day you return to it. But Jesus came to redeem us from all that went wrong in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. He came to redeem us from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law was that we were bound by our own power, bound by our own limitations. But the gift of God, the gift of grace, the revelation inherent in the gift of salvation is that from the moment Jesus comes into our lives, we are no longer bound by our own power We have exchanged our limited resources for God's unlimited resources. We have exchanged our lack for his abundance. And Jesus, no matter what he had, he was never in lack. Never in lack. He never felt it. Lack was only apparent to Jesus. It was never real. The disciples came to him one day. They said, Lord, we've been serving you for so long and so hard. And now the tax man has come, the IRS. He said, we got to pay the taxes. What do you want us to do? You want us to go work? You want us to go rent a fishing boat? Jesus said, no. Here's what I want you to do. Just go on your regular old boat. Throw Throw out that net. When you catch a fish, open up the mouth of that fish. And they went out and they opened up the mouth of that fish and there was the coins. I'm telling you, the Lord is able to deliver it to you in the mouth of the fish. He's able to give it to you. He's able to bring it from a direction that you don't see it coming. And Father, tonight, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I just speak your blessing over your people. Strength and understanding. Give revelation, O God. Give understanding in the midst of the trial. Because, Lord, when we get understanding in the midst of the trial, we stop asking you to deliver us from the trial. And we start thanking you that you have embedded a revelation in the midst of the struggle. And if we're attentive, we will not miss it. And God, I say over each of these sons and daughters of yours that they are attentive, and we will not miss it. I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.